is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. The Supremes are asked to take an act against the ca- a case of a child taken from their parents. Teachers sue governor for forcing them to lie about kids' genders. English students are told it's white supremacy to love reading and writing. Fanny Willis suggests that she has divine protection, notwithstanding all of her illicit behavior. State wants parents charged with abuse if they oppose kids' abortion. Black church leaders call on the U.S. to halt aid to Israel, claiming it's mass genocide. And Tucker Carlson is concerned about America's cities. But on top of it all, a Catholic cathedral, the main Catholic cathedral there in New York, St. Patrick's Cathedral, has just held a funeral and a celebration of the life of one called the mother of all whores. Do I have your attention yet today on Viewpoint? It's conversation with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. And today on Viewpoint is no exception. I'm glad that you've joined us. You might wonder what all these things have in common. Will they all connect together? They really do. They do all connect together because in reality, the Lord said through Jeremiah, my people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. Not only that, God called Israel herself a whore. That's what he called her. How could he possibly do that? How could God possibly call the country, the land, that he said was the apple of his eye, a whore. We're not accustomed to hearing things like that here on this program, but you will today because it's actually in the news. Actually in the news. Big time. That was very hard to hear this from America, so we had to get it from the Russian Times. Catholic Cathedral duped into funeral for trans mother of all whores. I didn't make that up. That's exactly what the 1,400 people that were there to celebrate this trans woman, how they described her. A funeral service for a transgender activist celebrated her as the mother of all whores. The service took place on Thursday, 10 days after the Argentinian-born Cecilia Gentili age 52, passed away in her Brooklyn home and was attended by 1,400 mourners. The New York Archdiocese said that the church was not made aware of Gentile's background and condemned what it called scandalous behavior at the funeral. They said the cathedral only knew that family and friends were requesting a funeral mass for a Catholic. Well, if she's a Catholic and they call her the mother of all whores, what does that say? 
In fact, they actually changed the words of the song Ave Maria to Ave Cecilia. And Gentile was known for being a convinced atheist, was described by the New York Times as a fierce advocate for transgender people and sex workers and a powerful legislative lobbyist as well as an author and a body-searing performer. In fact, in 2022, she penned a book called Faltus, Letters to Everyone in My Hometown Who Isn't My Rapist. Well, here's what happened. Gentili's family members responded to the church's claims by saying that they brought precious life and radical joy to the cathedral in historic defiance of the church's hypocrisy and anti-trans hatred. They argued that her funeral service reflected, quote, the love she had for her community and a testament to the impact of her tireless advocacy. They also said history has a radical act of love and mourning for the revolutionary saint in our community. And they posted the statement on X, the mother of all whores. What caught me about this is that this is exactly the language that Revelation chapter 17 uses to describe the Catholic Church. Set on seven hills. You might want to read it again. So now, the group that God describes as the mother of all harlots or whores is now concerned that they conducted a funeral for one called the mother of all whores, claiming it was scandalous. But God says that what's happening historically within the Roman Catholic Church, notwithstanding those who don't fully understand the significance, is actually harlotry. And I found it fascinating. I want you to hear from the archbishop, I guess it is, or the priest, who was conducting the service. And as you listen to him, hopefully you'll be able to hear him as loud and clear as possible. And uh, when you do, when you do, I hope that we'll be able to have a little conversation about this. So here we go, my friends, here we go. Let us pray. O God, whose nature is always to forgive and to show mercy, we humbly implore you for your servant Cecilia, whom you have called to journey to you. And since she hoped and believed in you, grant that she may be led to our true homeland, to the light and its everlasting joys. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Can you say amen to that? I would hope not. What's the problem here? The problem is she was alleged to be a Catholic, whatever that means. She was an atheist. She was a radical, so radical in her sexual behavior and perversion that she was actually referred to by her friends that gathered at the funeral 
as the mother of all whores. Yet the priest felt comfortable, apparently, in blessing her and saying that she was on her way to the pearly gates. He didn't use that term. But she was on her way to heaven because she had been baptized and she received, well, she was walking with Christ. And so he could proclaim her entrance into the pearly gates. Have you ever heard anything like that in a church where you've attended? I have lots of funerals where pastors seem to have the gumption to usher people into the pearly gates and never walk with the Lord in the first place. We'll be right back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. We're seeing, shall we say, the whoredom of America. And it's not just in the Catholic Church, friends. It's all over the country. It's everywhere. And yet, and rightly so, we're concerned about Vladimir Putin. Apparently, and we believe, most people believe, that he either poisoned or had some kind of uh, call out on the fellow Navalny, who was his sole opposition just before the next election. And he's dead. Mr. Navalny was imprisoned, put in solitary confinement, and then given another prison term, and then given another prison term, all by Vladimir Putin, who said several years ago that Russia had become the moral center of the world and that the West had become the center of debauchery. Well, he may have been right with regard to his assessment of the West, but apparently he was blinded as to his own problems. The problem is we're blinded to our own problems. And so the kettle is calling the pot black, Putin calling America black, America and Biden calling Putin black, and everybody's black. Well, I use the term in the sense of versus white. And then again, if we use the term black and white, we're also in trouble because we can't even communicate with the English language in this country without stepping on landmines. Can we? Are you beginning to get the drift? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's still confusing to you. But we've got some real problems here, friends. And they're not just political problems. They're moral and spiritual problems. In fact, all the problems that we have are moral and spiritual at their root. So while we are incensed, and rightly so, 
over Vladimir Putin's accelerated demise of Mr. Navalny. Preventing any opposition, any sincere opposition, and then arresting 400 of people that were mourning for him sounds an awful lot like what Nancy Pelosi did on January 6th, doesn't it? She didn't just have 400 arrested, they've had thousands arrested and put in prisons even without a charge. Even solitary confinement. Oh, they haven't murdered them yet. What's the difference? Maybe the old gray mare ain't what she used to be. Maybe the country that you and I have longed to live in, that people have thronged to come to, isn't what they think it really is. Maybe we have deteriorated so badly within our own confines that we are abhorred by the God who made and preserved us in nature, just like Israel was. As Hosea described in chapter 9, Rejoice not, O Israel, for joy as other people, for you have gone a-whoring from your God. Are we missing any words here today on Viewpoint so that you can't, somehow can't get the message? Have we, in fact, become complicit with the mother of all whores? Are we living that out in America's cities and in our courts? Have our courts actually become just like the Russian courts that we despise, just like the Islamic courts in Iran that we despise, that persecute Christians, and they will take them out of the way, take away their families? Is that not happening even under the so-called jurisprudence of the Democrat Party in this country during the last three years? Indeed it is. Let's take a look at some of these cases here. Supremes asked to act in case of a child taken from their parents. The justices of the Supreme Court are being asked to intervene in a case in which a child was taken from his parents when their religious beliefs distressed him. They would not refer to their son with pronouns and a name inconsistent with his biological sex. Leftist bureaucrats across the nation, under Joe Biden's leadership, have tried to make promoting transgenderism mandatory even for parents. The state of Indiana, isn't that where our friend, former Vice President Pence, comes from? The state of Indiana investigated Mary and Jeremy Cox and then took the child. The state kept him after determining that they disagreed with the child motivated by their religious beliefs about human sexuality. So the question is, is the left determined to destroy families? Their case developed starting in 2019 when their son said he identified as a girl. 
Because of their religious belief that God creates human beings with immutable sex, male or female, they could not refer to him using pronouns and a name inconsistent with his biology. So Indiana began investigating the Coxes after a report that they were not referring to their child by his preferred gender identity. And that's what every parent's afraid of now, isn't it? The state, Russia, abruptly admitted that there was, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, this wasn't Russia. This was Indiana. In America. The heart of America. But then the state abruptly admitted that there was no abuse, but instead claimed that their faith-based beliefs were distressing to their son. A lower court agreed that the state should take the boy and imposed a gag order on the parents. Are we in Russia? A gag order on parents? To live out their Christian faith? And if this can happen in Indiana, can't it happen anywhere? Are you beginning to get the point, my friends? We're living in a state of pretense in this country. From pulpit to pew, from the church house to the White House, in the schoolhouse, in the courthouse, it's all a pretense. Well, not all, but most of it. It's a game of let's pretend. Let's pretend that we're still the nation we used to be 100 years ago or 200 years ago. Let's pretend that we still have a godly heritage, even though we don't live or obey the God of that heritage. We still at least have a godly heritage, of course. And so we're all proud. God's not proud. He's not proud at all. Israel had a godly heritage too, but he called her a whore. Teachers are suing a governor for forcing them to lie about kids' genders. Two teachers have added the governor and attorney general of California to a lawsuit. The suit claims that state policies have forced educators to lie to parents by hiding the transgender status of their children from them. The school district's parent or parental exclusion policy prevents teachers from disclosing the fact that a student identifies as a new gender or wants to be addressed by a new name or a new pronoun during the school day. So the teachers added Governor Gavin Newsom and Attorney General Rob Bonta to the lawsuit last month. The governor is the boss, said the lawyer. Newsom has an ultimate authority for setting education policy. So in the Rincon Middle School and the Escon... Uh, Escondido Union School District, they don't operate in a vacuum, said the lawyer. The California Constitution provides that education is ultimately a matter of state responsibility. So the legal nonprofit Thomas More Society, which is, by the way, Catholic, is representing Mirabelli and West, claims that the district ought outright refused to exempt the teachers from the parental exclusion policy, compelling them to systematically deceive the parents of their students. And so the Thomas More Society is right. 
They're not taking a Horace position. They're taking a righteous position. The policy there violates their First Amendment rights to free speech and free exercise of religion. So in September, listen to this, in September, a U.S. District Court judge granted a preliminary injunction preventing the school district from enforcing this so-called parental exclusion policy on the two teachers. And here's what the judge said. Judge Roger Benitez, or Benitez, he called the policy a trifecta of harm. He didn't mince any words. A trifecta of harm. Yet that's what California wants to impose upon parents. And California has over 30 million population. Hmm. Maybe 40 million at last count. Where is all this going anyway? Why would we talk about this here today like this? Friends, it's to help us to really get a grip on where we really are as a people. Where we really are as a nation. Where we really are even in our churches. Because there are many churches that support this nonsense. That support this ungodliness. That support the whorish behavior. And are proud of it. As the scripture says, there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the ways thereof are the ways of death. God will not be mocked, my friends. What we sow, we not only will reap, but are already reaping. We're actually reaping the echoing consequences of the church embracing the divorce culture starting in the early 1970s, and then the serial adultery culture of remarriage after divorce when our spouses were still living, and that inaugurated, paved the way for the homosexual movement, and when that got established to the homosexual marriage movement, and when that got established to the transgender movement, and the bestiality movement, and the pederasty movement, and the polyamory movement, and now the non-monogamy, non-agreed monogamy movement, whatever it is. It's strange. Well, you we have to be talking about that sometime in the near future. It's quite amazing. And it's all the rage now. Whorish behavior has become and is becoming the norm. But the reason it's whorish behavior is because we have behaved like the whore toward the God who made and preserved us a nation. And this is biblical language, friends. This is right out of the King James Version of the Bible. Maybe if we started calling things what God sees them to be, it might get our attention at last. Maybe. Just maybe. Now, in order to give some measure of hope in the midst of this situation, I want to make available to you my book, Renewing the Soul of America. Renewing the Soul of America. One person at a time, beginning with you.
Again, 38 national Christian leaders endorsed this book. They said, basically, the reason they were endorsing the book is because it was the only book that really gave the answers for our situations. All the others were just finger-pointing. Just identifying problems. This book doesn't just identify problems. This book gives the solutions. If, as Pat Robertson said, we have the courage to implement them. That's what he actually said. Right there in the front of the book. It's a $20 book, $18 book, yours for $15. It's on our website, saveus.org. Renewing the soul of America. You want to encourage yourself? You want to be encouraged? You want to have strength? You want to have vision for the future? Renewing the soul of America. Write to us. Add $5 for postage to hand. Call us. 1-800-SAVE-USA. We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, saveus.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. God said, when Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. But, he said, my people are bent to backsliding. Backsliding from me. They will not at all exalt me. I'm God and not man, the Holy One in the midst of you, but I won't enter into your cities. That's what God said in the book of Hosea, chapter 11. We don't hear those passages much because, well, our pastors don't consider them encouraging. Hmm. This is one of the reasons why so many pastors don't pay any attention to the Old Testament. This is the reason why Charles Dr. Charles Stanley's son has mocked the Old Testament and says, that's passe, we don't need any of that stuff. No wonder he has a church of 40-some thousand people. He just tells the people what they want to hear. Do you know any churches like that? Hmm? Fanny Willis appears to suggest she's got divine protection. She quotes scripture. She can't tell the truth in the courtroom, but she quotes scripture. She appeared to suggest in a sermon on Saturday, she was preaching a sermon that God is protecting her from weapons that have been formed against her, saying they will not prosper. So what's she talking about? Well, she's quoting a passage 
that says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that shall arise against you in judgment, you shall declare wrong. It's a valid scripture. But she has no standing before God to claim the scripture. And as a lawyer, she should understand the meaning of standing. She is now being accused of having no standing to bring this case before the courts of Georgia because of her own whorish behavior. You heard me correctly. That's what it is. Shacking up with another man, married man. They're going off to clandestine spots secretly because they know it's wrong. And then she wants to stand before a group of black people in a congregation and get them to bless her, claiming that no weapon will for- formed against her will prosper. In other words, that all these things that are happening to her are weapons formed against her. No, my friends. She formed the, o- the weapon against her herself. She is the one that created the weapon. And if she would have humbled herself and confessed and come clean, things might go a little differently. But no, she's got to continue to deceive. And the American people are seeing it. In glaring color, so much so that even liberal news media folk are saying, whoa, she's done in. What will happen, I cannot tell you. But she says, people keep sending me scriptures, and I appreciate those scriptures, telling me no weapon that is formed against shall shall prosper. So, I want to bring something up to you that perhaps you're not aware of. Do you know that there's a passage of scripture that specifically says that you cannot Take the word of God in your mouth, the promises of God in your mouth, unless you're living righteously. In fact, God mocks such a person. Who in the world do you think you are to take my word in your mouth, looking at you, your unrighteous behavior, your egregious flaunting of your horse behavior in my face, and you have the temerity to take my word in your mouth to claim my protection your prov- and provision? You've got to be kidding me. My dear black friends, you need to see the truth of this situation. This woman is abusing your blackness. She may be black, but she's not just black in her skin. She's black in her heart. And that's been proved on the stand. A little repentance might actually bring forgiveness, but that's not in her. She's going to claim her whorish behavior to be righteousness. Calling black white and white black. Evil good and good evil. And unfortunately, my friends, this is where we are as a country. 
I've got tears in my eyes, quite frankly. I've been doing this a long time. When the Lord called me to leave the practice of law at the height of my career in 1992, to plead his cause in the land as a voice to the church, declaring vision for the nation, America's greatest crisis hour, I said, yes, sir, but, you know, at that point, I knew things were bad. I knew that they were they were getting worse. I knew that Newsweek and Time had already announced that the American dream had unraveled. That was in 1992. But I had a hard time really per- perceiving the depths to which our whorish behavior would take us, to where our abandonment of the authority of the word of God would take us. I remember speaking in Glendale, California, to a group of very strong conservatives. Most of them were what you might call mainline church conservatives. And when I spoke to them, at the request of our state senator, who was a Christian, I pointed some of these things out and said, look where we are as a people. We are not the righteous people that we pretend to be. God wants us to walk in righteousness and in holiness. You know how some of those people responded? If we wanted to have a sermon, we would have gone to church. Well, you couldn't even go to church and get that message. That was the problem. Friends, this is not just a Johnny-come-lately situation. And this is a situation that is as endemic to conservatives as it is to liberals. Just a little bit further down the track with the liberals. In Washington, the state... The, the state of Washington, students in a Seattle English class, were told that their love of reading and writing is characteristic of white supremacy. Yeah, that's the latest Seattle public schools high school controversy. But one father spoke out, and he says that's educational malpractice. And he's right. What is this to try to somehow inaugurate a blessing upon students who refuse to learn to read or write and are digging their trenches ever more deeply for failure in the culture because they won't do the most essential fundamental things. And the school district comes through and blesses them for it and says, oh, that's just because it's racist. So the Seattle high schoolers were told that, quote, worship of the written word is white supremacy. No wonder they won't pay any attention to the Bible. It's God's written word. No, we're just going to pay attention to what our pastor tells us or what this uh, promoter, racial promoter over here tells us. We want to hear what we want to hear. We don't want to read what God has to say. No, we don't want to do that. It hurts my feelings. Mm. Well, maybe your feelings need to be hurt so you can be healed. And the amazing thing about this was it occurred in a class called World Literature and Composition. Therefore, 
the very class, world literature and composition, was by definition racist. We are using racism as a, as a sword and a shield to defend against and prevent all legitimate change in our culture. And all in the name of compassion. It's not compassion, friends. It's abuse. You can call it whatever you want. Satan will call it compassion, but it's really abuse. And now Illinois, right there in the Midwest, a new bill introduced. If a parent refuses to allow their child to have an abortion, they can be charged with abuse. Did you hear that? It also reaffirms that children can consent to obtaining an abortion or gender-affirming care without needing approval from a parent. That's the state of Illinois. Of course, the state of Illinois has had more governors convicted of felonies in prison than any other state, perhaps, than Louisiana. So much for the righteous Midwest. And then, bishops in the African Methodist Episcopal Church, the Council of Bishops of the American, excuse me, the African Methodist Episcopal Church has called on the United States to immediately withdraw all funding and support from Israel, saying that Israel's fight against Hamas is mass genocide. Really? This is another case of false compassion. Yes, we can have concern and compassion about the Gazans who are in the crosshairs of this, but remember, 86% of them are in favor of Hamas. How come that gets left out? Hmm? We'll be right back. Get ready for it. We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by His Spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, Behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chrismeyer. Israel had 12 tribes. You remember that. 12 tribes. The descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, and had 12 sons. Well, in the time following Solomon, Solomon's son, 
the ten northern tribes split away from the two southern tribes. And the ten northern tribes were often referred to as Ephraim, or as the Jews would say, Ephraim. So, Hosea, the prophet, was spoken to by God to address Ephraim, the ten northern tribes. And he said this, they have deeply corrupted themselves. They've deeply corrupted themselves. In effect, they've returned back to Egypt. So, he says, God will cast them away because they did not hearken or follow, listen to him and, be, and respond, and they shall be wanderers among the nations. Well, it became true, didn't it? The ten northern tribes were dispersed throughout the nations. The Assyrians came in, took them captive, divided them among the nations. And they're called to this day the lost tribes of Israel. Ten tribes. Now, if that could happen to the ten northern tribes... And if America acts like the ten northern tribes, what do you think could happen to America? Since the prophet Isaiah in chapter 40 said, all the nations are as a drop in the bucket. Hmm. Just asking, he goes on to say, Israel itself is an empty vine. Their hearts divided. Do we have a divided heart in this country? You better believe it. That's why we need to pray that prayer out of the Psalms, unite my heart to fear your name. But we want to do that because we don't like the idea of the fear of the Lord. So, uh, Hosea goes on to address Ephraim, the ten northern tribes, and he says, look, sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord, till he come and rain righteousness upon you. You've reaped iniquity, he said, because you did trust in your ways and in the multitude of your mighty men. In other words, your Department of Defense. Therefore shall a tumult rise among your people. Hmm. With that having been said, let's take a look at what Tucker Carlson had to say when he was interviewed. He wasn't interviewing Vladimir Putin. He was interviewed as part of the World Government Summit in Dubai last week. Laura Hollis writes a very interesting piece concerning this that you can find in World Net Daily. It's called, Is Tucker Carlson Right About America's Cities? So, people were outraged by his recent interview of Russian President Vladimir Putin. At least some were. They thought maybe it was treasonous. I don't think so. It was just a conversation. It wasn't a talk show, and he wasn't pleading some cause against Vladimir Putin or for Vladimir Putin. He was just getting information, which we need. Did we get accurate information? Well, 
Do you tell accurate information? Are you getting exactly an accurate information from your pastor every Sunday morning? I don't think so. You only get part of what he wants you to hear. And he carefully excises what he doesn't think you want to hear. Right? I mean, let's be honest about ourselves. As we look at other people, as we look at their motivations, as we look at what's happening, that's the problem. We're just not honest with ourselves. And we need to be. Because God is saying, look, I'm pleading with you. I've been pleading with you now for 30 plus years. Why is it you can't hear or won't hear? Why is there no change? Why, after 40 years of begging God for revival in our country, we ain't got none? The answer is very simple. We don't want it on God's terms. We don't want to agree with God in his assessment any more than Israel did, any more than Ephraim did. No, it's deja vu all over again, my friends. So, Tucker Carlson made some statements, and I want to share these with you. What was radicalizing, very shocking, and very disturbing for me was the city of Moscow, he said, the biggest city in Europe, 13 million people. It's so much cleaner and safer than any city in the United States. How did that happen? He said, it's radicalizing for an American to go to Moscow, to Singapore, to Tokyo, to Dubai, to Abu Dhabi, because these cities, no matter how we're told they're run and on what principles they're run, are wonderful places to live that don't have rampant inflation where you're not going to get raped. So how did it happen? That's a good question. How did the quality of life in American cities become so awful that God won't even go into those cities? He's not welcome. The writer of this, Laura Hollis, goes on to say the American concept of ordered liberty rests upon the foundation of citizens whose behavior is restrained by their own beliefs, personal values, education, and upbringing. Founding father and second president John Adams is often quoted on this point in his 1798 letter to the Massachusetts militia. Adams wrote this, Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. And when they used the word religion in those days, they meant Christian. Period. Our government was made, our Constitution was made only for a moral and Christian people. It's wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Now, 226 years later, the Judeo-Christian values that form the basis for America as a nation are undermined by the political and spiritual left or deliberately distorted by those with political control over our cities and manipulate the public with flaccid definitions of concepts like freedom and compassion and diversity. What self-respecting city government would allow piles of human poop to proliferate on the sidewalk? We're told that's compassion. No, it's cowardice. Why are parades of naked adults simulating sex acts allowed in public in the clear view of children? By the way, did you hear about the library that was closed down 
because they had so many drugs going on in there and open sex right there in the aisles that they finally closed the library down in America. And why are thieves allowed to steal from businesses without fear of prosecution? Why are criminals released without bail after committing violent crimes? Why do so many students think they can scream obscenities at their teachers or attack other students? Today's experts insist that protecting property and demanding self-control is racist. Nonsense. Allowing crime and violence isn't anti-racism, it's anarchy. The United States is hardly in a position to criticize other countries under the guise of freedom. The elites in our entertainment industry, media, and academia routinely promote behavior that is both personally and societally destructive. At the same time, those in control of our government, which is increasingly authoritarian, just look at what Mr. Biden is doing through his Department of Justice that is actually doing worse things on the whole than what Mr. Putin did to Navalny. Come on, friends, let's be honest. Stop playing the political power game, and let's look at righteousness. Let's look at truth. Let's look at what's really happening. They use their power even to go after Christians who are peacefully trying to persuade pregnant women to keep their babies. Dear friend of ours, of this ministry, Denny Green, convicted in Tennessee, the Bible Belt, for trying to stand with six, uh, five other people, I guess it was, to protect babies. Not committing any crime as far as they do, except some obscure act called the FACE Act that all of a sudden is resurrected to persecute Christians and to advance the cause of killing babies. Our government censors those trying to tell the American public the truth. It, it imports crime and poverty by allowing migrants to pour into this country by the millions, endure, in, ignoring the potential terrorists, the gang members who will go out and commit violent crimes, those who traffic women and children for sex slavery or import fentanyl that's killing 100,000 Americans a year, and we call it freedom and compassion. Laura Hollis writes, at least the authoritarian governments in some countries use their power to enforce order, but ours is using its power to facilitate chaos. John Adams, in his 1798 letter, holds warnings. He says, should the people of America become capable of that deep simulation towards one another and towards foreign nations, which assumes the language of justice and moderation while it is practicing iniquity and extravagance. In other words, totally hypocritical and displays the most captivating manner, the charming pictures of candor, frankness, and sincerity while it is rioting and rapine and insolence, this country will be the most miserable habitation in the world, he said, because we have no government armed with power capable 
of contending with human passions unbridled by morality and Christian religion. So Laura concludes by saying, just as Adams predicted, we're fast becoming that miserable habitation as a country. And it's what we let ourselves become. Gradually, you know, kind of like the frog in the kettle. First, we allowed the divorce thing to come in, which God said he hated. And then we allowed the uh, adultery, serial adultery to come in, which God called. Well, he said it will keep you out of the kingdom unless you repent. And then that paved the way and opened the floodgates for homosexuality to come in as a perversion. God called that an abomination. But our nation has decided to call it a blessing, an answer to prayer, in the same way that Christians and their pastors were calling divorce and remarriage an answer to prayer. And I had one so-called prophet in my own house make such a statement. Sheer blasphemy. You know what, my friends? God is still God. He's God. He's not your grandfather, because God has no grandchildren. He's God, and there is none other. And he's saying to you and to me, if my people, You guys who claim to be my followers, if you would at least get started and come before me and confess and repent, turn from your own wicked ways, I might just be able to gain entrance back into your cities and do something. Mm -hmm. Get a copy of my book, Renewing the Soul of America. It'll encourage your heart. It's 500 different quotes from all over our country's history. It'll encourage your heart greatly. $15 on our website, saveus.org. Call us 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at $5 of postage and handling. Encourage yourself. Let's get things moving, my friends. God's coming You've soon. been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home. 